great to see you all here. Um, it's only one week that we didn't meet, but there's a funny thing about Christmas uh, and the whole shift of what we do and uh, the, the, the uh, uh, losing count of how much chocolate that you eat and all that. Uh, somehow it, it, it gives us a bit of a spiritual uh, lethargy. Um, so this, this talk in churches is traditionally a bit of a graveyard talk. You know what I mean? So you, you, you plan your big launch normally for next Sunday. So Miriam's coming next Sunday <laughs> to talk to us, to get us going for 2017. But today you've got me. And normally I put myself down for this talk, normally because it's not kind to ask someone else to prepare a talk over Christmas. Uh, and I'm also usually happy to do something a little bit different. And I've done all sorts of different things before I talked before on prayer, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, I, I preached once uh, on a letter that uh, the New England pastor Jonathan Edwards wrote to a lady that asked him for spiritual advice. It's a good talk, a bit of a random letter. Um, I preached once on a painting. Uh, I preached once on a comic. Um, so today, uh, following ran the randomness theme of past talks of this first Sunday at the beginning of the year, following the Christmas lethargy, where you're all trying your very best to look like you're fully engaged, but you're, you know, the heart's there, and we're getting there. Um, I wanted to share um, four, if we have time, five things that I've been mulling over um, to do with G2. Uh, things that I'm praying about, things that I think maybe are in store for us uh, in the year ahead. Um, the first is, um, it'll come on the screen, uh, is I'm going to call it, uh, it's not that. <laughs> the first thought I want to show you is called Zero to Hero. Zero to hero. And this was an exercise that I did with the uh, strategy team. Uh, we had the day together talking about various things to do with long-term thinking about G2. And Zero to Hero was just an, an exercise we did thinking about our church and people in the church and some of the different things we did. And it was literally a really wide piece of paper and we drew like a line, like a, the bottom of a graph, from one side to the other. And at one side was zero, and at the other side was hero. And the graph was like a mapping of people. Now, I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't that anybody was zero, but the idea was thinking about people who begin with zero knowledge about Jesus or the church. And as you will know, a year on year, the number of people that have no background, that don't have family that go to church, that haven't uh, stopped going to church because they never connected at all, the number of people in that category increases every year. In fact, of the people that don't attend church regularly, the majority of people fall into that category. They have zero or near to little understanding about um, basic ideas to do with Christianity, the things that Ewan's talking about, that Alpha helps people to connect to, and probably zero practical experience of having going to church. And at the other end of the line was the idea of hero. And for the sake of that exercise, our hero was a church planter. Um, so we drew various people on this graph, and we didn't have actually anyone that went from zero to hero. The nearest we could find was Josh Kakane. 
Okay, he was the nearest we could get to. As a, he wasn't a zero because he arrived as a student. Uh, his dad's a vicar, um, but he arrived as a student. So, Josh, if you're listening to this, you are great. Um, Josh arrived like fully tooled up as a Christian, um, but didn't really know what he was going to do in G2. Um, and we have recently sent Josh and some others out to plant a church. Actually, incidentally, I also work for Alpha, and I did Zero to Hero a few years ago with our team. And, th- and last month, we filmed uh, a recording of somebody who actually did Zero to Hero with Alpha. So they started with uh, never been to church, no Christian background, no understanding of Christianity. They came on Alpha as a guest, then they came, uh, then they became Christian, then they became a helper on Alpha, then they became a leader on Alpha, uh, then they went off and started another Alpha to reach other people, uh, then they got trained in theology, and now they've just been sent out to plant a church. And so we did a, we did a video of our Zero to Hero uh, guide. It will be on Facebook uh, very soon. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that secretly I want you all to become Josh Cocaine and plant a church. I mean, it'd be lovely if some of you did that. So Hero is, in some senses, contextual to you. It is is the answer to the question that you fulfil the things that God has planned for your life. So maybe for you, Hero means you are a full-time parent or you're a teacher or you work in business and you go into your business and you uh, take Jesus into work as you go into um, the work that you're doing. Whatever it might be through the diversity of everyone in this room and everyone else in our church, there is a fulfilment of that idea of being a hero. Um, the question I want to ask you is, is, do you have a plan at the beginning of this year for how you might move oh, there you are. on our graph of wherever you think you are on that graph to wherever you think God might want to move you in this year as part of your development of following Jesus. Do you have a sense of how God wants to move in your life? Areas in your life God wants to develop Areas where you want to learn, or or skills, or um, leadership, or responsibility, or opportunities that you want to exercise in this year ahead in terms of moving forward with God. Let me read to you some words uh, that we looked at a few months ago uh, from 2 Corinthians. One of my resolutions is to wear glasses so I can read the Bible when I read. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this, Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity amongst you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. What Paul's saying there is, in effect, he longs to see the church full of people who are intentionally growing in their faith because the inevitable outcome of that is that the gospel, the core of what the church exists about, will spread and reach other people. 
And that might be what we're doing here, what we're doing in small groups. It might be Alpha, as you and as talk to us about it. That the um, that as we give ourselves to growing in God, actually the ministry of the church increases. Can I just tell you, my job is not to make sure that the show is good. My job is not to make sure that you are well entertained on Sunday. I hope the biscuits are good. I hope you like the red hands as you come in. I hope the music sounds good. I hope it's organised and the chairs are in the right place. The coffee is just as you like it and the kids go. I hope all those things are good. But in a sense, do not be deceived into thinking that that's what doing church means. Doing church means that you are intentionally growing your faith. And also, my job is not, I'm not raising spiritual children. It's not my job to come and spoon-feed the gospel into your life. Sorry, Ben, didn't mean to pick on you in a horrible way. That's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to to sort of um, personally sew you into the plans of Alpha or to, you know, personally, you know, walk alongside you as you do your thing on Sunday or whatever it might be. My job is to make sure opportunities are provided so that you can grow in your faith. And as a consequence of that, our collective sphere of influence will increase and expand. So, this is not like a New Year's resolution, is it? Because in a sense they're a bit lame. You know, you start your diet and by the afternoon of January 1st, you realise that you're eating chocolate and you might as well give up. Uh, But in a sense, are you going to be intentional this year about the growing of your faith? Are you going to persevere in doing that? Are you going to take a hold of the opportunities afforded you to do that? You can just throw out a great one. You can see him afterwards and sign up to make Alpha brilliant. Are you going to take that or assume, well, unless you and Pops around to my house and personally writes it in my diary, I'm not going to do it. No, an opportunity is afforded and many other opportunities are available to you for that. And of course, spiritual growth does not come easily. In a sense, it is like any practical things. You know, if, you, if your resolution was to, um, you know, m- muscle up your body, you're going to join the gym. What would you do to do that? You would go to the gym and you would lift weights that are too heavy for you in order to stimulate your body to get stronger so that you would have more muscle. If you wanted to be a runner, you want to run faster. How do you run faster as a runner? It's really easy. You go out and you run faster for as long as you can and then you do that and it's called training and after you've done that enough times, you'll get faster. How will you grow in trusting God? You will grow in trusting God by engaging with challenging opportunities and persevering at every opportunity to give up to instead rather believe and press on. How might you grow in patience? You might grow in patience by facing all those challenges for delay and distraction and disappointment 
but refusing to give up and pressing through that hard delay, that hard gap in order to get the goal of what's promised to you? How might you become uh, having more leadership responsibility in the church? One might be that you are willing to put your name to more things that might go wrong that you would have to sort out in order to get that thing to be the way that it should be. So that's my first thought, my first idea for you, that I think this is a year of zero to hero. This is a year for all of us to grow. We do not grow a church by printing more leaflets, by turning up the PA or putting out more churches, more, more seeds. We, we grow because each of us intentionally seek to grow in our own faith. So that's my first thought, the first thing I'm praying about this year. Uh, my second is this. I think God wants to change the room. I, want, I think God wants to change who is in the room. We, of course, uh, from last summer, we moved here from um, Burnham uh, Community Centre, uh, which is being redeveloped. It will probably be a few years before that's even rebuilt. And we've moved here to Central, Central located in the centre of York. I was really nervous that everyone would be worried about getting here or how you park here, but it turns out people really like the venue. People think it's really handy, it's really good if you want to go out afterwards and have a coffee with some friends or if you've got something to do beforehand. The, the venue has turned out to be really good. And one of the things this venue has provoked me to think about is who comes on Sunday. And one of my observations is I think being at Burnham, kind of tucked down a street, down a corner, not anywhere that you would be passing in order to go anywhere, has made us a little bit parochial and small thinking. It's also made us a little bit of a club. And, and the people that come on Sunday are, in a sense, the people that are in the club. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you being in the club of the church and coming to our meeting when we get together every Sunday. But I think God wants to expand it. And in a sense, being here is a provocation to uh, hope for and build towards a church on Sunday when we gather, that there are expanding numbers of other people here. And actually, as I prayed about this recently, and I sent a very, um, I hate doing videos, but sometimes I send the leadership team uh, a video, and then what I do is I take them off, I kill the link, so it can't come back to haunt me. Honestly, there are, there are some bloopers in some of the videos that I've done uh, in the past that some of the team um, do know about. But anyway, I sent this one round the team as a video, and I shared this thing I'd been praying about, which was to do with a meeting of thirds. And the, and the idea I saw of our church was that um, in the room would be a third, let's call them, leading Christians. Lovely people like yourselves, okay? People who you're saying, yes, I'm following Jesus. 
And you've basically got that sorted. None of us have got it 100% sorted. So if you feel like, oh, I'm still figuring some things out, there's still some things I'm sorting, yeah, that's us. But if you feel like, basically, I've got that sorted, I've decided to follow Jesus, this is my club, I want to be involved, I want to be active, I want to be helping and encouraging others, then you're what I think of as a leading Christian. And I thought, do you know what, in the room there ought to be a third of the people that are like that. Um, but the other third, I thought, was um, a people who are growing as Christians. And these are people who are saying, I th- maybe definitely they're following Jesus, or they might say, I'm, I'm mostly, or that's the direction that I'm heading. I remember once when I was a student, somebody asked if I'm a Christian, and I said, I'm moving towards it. <laughs> so I kind of, I was in that category. I was a growing into being a Christian. Um, it might be people that have been active Christians in, in the past but have stopped for whatever reason and they're coming back to faith. It might be, um, we know that um, quite a high proportion of, of youth who go to university drop out of their faith as they go to university. But we also know there's a bit of a dead dog bounce. There's a bit of a, a, a second response now, okay, because what's happened is those students have all gone home and Granny's given them an absolute rollicking, okay, and Mum and Dad have had a, you know, a little heart-to-heart they've taken them out for a coffee and they've had a little chat about the importance of church as a priority over beer and whatever else, and uh, they've come back to university with a bit of a flea in the area and somebody's mentioned something about funding and money and that's really got their attention and they're now trying to remember who they've met who might be a Christian that knows about a church because Granny's going to be ringing them up week one to find out, are you going to church? What are you doing? Otherwise, no more pocket money. So, <laughs> growing Christians. I just made that up, you know. Growing Christians. Or anybody who's... Um, do you know what? There are lots of people out there. As you invite people to Alpha... You won't just speak to people who'll say, Christianity, never heard of it, okay? You'll speak to a lot of people who will say, oh yeah, I used to go to church. I, when I was a youth, I did that. And they'll have some of that in their story. You'll speak to people who'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I, you know, a horrible thing happened and we just left and we didn't go back. And there's a bit of pain there, they've been hurt. You'll meet people with all sorts of different examples of why not. And there are loads of people like that for whom we need to literally open the door and say, come and be part of this gathering on Sunday. And the other third, I think, is just people who actually want to find out about Jesus. And actually the majority of people that don't go to church are in that category. They just need to find out. So I'm thinking, you know, I don't know how we make that change. I'm kind of praying, God, if this is something you want to do, help us to do it. I think Alpha, what we're doing, not just the practicalities, but the idea of it, going big with Alpha. Like you and just said, 5,000 leaflets, who are you going to invite? I think the provocation, the challenge, the inspiration of that helps us to remember that what we're doing here is not just running a holy club for us. And if we do that, the danger is we'll just make it about us and what we want.
And actually, there's a far greater calling and opportunity before us uh, to reach people that are coming back to faith and reach people that have no faith that want an opportunity to find out more. So that's my second thing. My third thing is this. I think we need to expand Sunday. Now, you will know the distinctive nature of G2 and the age profile means our numbers are very seasonal. The answer to the question, how many people come on Sunday, is different every Sunday, because it depends whether it's a sunny day and the beach is inviting. It depends whether it's in or out of time, term time, whether it's half term. Um, ironically, the two high points of the Christian year, Easter and Sunday, are the two low points of our potential or our actual attendance. It always feels a bit awkward because one of the measures of the Church of England, I'm a priest in the Church of England, one of, so I have to fill out these forms sometimes, one of the measures of church, the historical surveys that have been filled out for hundreds of years, is the number of people that have Holy Communion on Easter Sunday. And um, so far, our numbers have been relatively low for that. By low, I mean zero. Um, and then the other number is the number of people that have Holy Communion on Christmas Day. And on Christmas Day, we all go to other services or other churches. So thus far, we've scored really badly on some of these really historic measures of church. That said, when we are at our peak, our numbers last year um, have reached the capacity in the room. So in October, for example, when the students were um, around in full force and everyone else was there as well, we were, hit, we were hitting 160 or so, uh, adults 20 to 25 um, children, and then of course we, we that same year sent out due to Central, um, 25 to 30 people were doing that in the morning. And practically speaking, in terms of meeting in this space, we were hitting in October that feeling that the room is full. Now you will know, of course, that if, if you come to an event um, and it feels full, that affects whether that, the sense of joining. Um, the church planting, church growth theory says that when it's 70% full, it feels full. And that affects whether people feel that they want to join. So somehow, by the time we get to October of this year, we need to have figured out a way to add capacity to that. If not, then that will be our peak capacity, and all of the graph of our attendance, in a sense, will sit under the fact that that's our peak and we can't get above it. Now, I don't know what the answer to that is yet, and I'm praying about it. I would love to hear what you think. There are a few logical opportunities. Number one, we can just plant out another church, though I'm not sure at the moment in terms of who would lead that, etc. That's right for this year. might be right for following um, year. Um, the other thing we could do is move somewhere bigger, but I don't know where that would be. There is a possibility that the chapel is going to be redesigned by the Methodist Church, this is a, who own this building, um, and they uh, may be removing some of the pews, etc., and putting um, uh, movable chairs, etc., so that the space might be um, redeveloped, and that's a bigger space. Uh, and interestingly, as I talk to the team, um, I quite like the chapel as a meeting space. Others don't so much. But I quite like the chapel as a meeting space. But others don't so much. 
But the chuckle is... Anyway. I hear that they may do some development work by the summer, which would be interesting if that made that room better as a space for us to meet in. Of course, the other thing you may not be aware of is our children's work, which is magnificent, struggles to have enough rooms. We haven't quite got enough uh, rooms. Some of them aren't quite exactly what we would want for the work we would want to do. And actually, if that room was suitable and, and we met in there, then that would release these rooms for use for children's work. So that's a possibility. The next, the other possibility is, is that we go for another meeting or another site. So, for example, we could, we could on Sunday do more than one meeting back-to-back. That would be the simplest. It would probably be the most boring, but it would be the simplest and easiest to achieve. We could reuse this room uh, another time. I've got a friend in Belfast who's starting a church, and he does his Sunday meeting on Wednesday, and then at the weekend they do their small group. So they've, they've flipped it completely. Uh, because they're reaching, they want to reach millennials, and they've figured out millennials and students in Northern Ireland tend to go away at the weekend, so if you run something on Sunday, they're not there. Or, or they're not there two out of three. Um, but they are, because they've got jobs or studies or whatever it might be, they are rare, they're regularly in the week. So he's doing his church meeting Wednesday evening, the, ga- the main gathering, and then the smaller groups that are in the communities are doing niche things, uh, meet over the weekend when the people have figured out that they're three. I don't know the answer to that, but I, I know we need to solve that problem in the next few months to figure out how we can grow by October of this term. So do let me know if you have any thoughts about that. The fourth thing I've been praying about I'm just showing my heart, things I've been praying about our church. These are unfinished thoughts. These are conversations for us to have. I also want to say, by the way, God speaks to all of us about church. So God will be speaking to you about things to our church. You may have four things uh, that you think are on the agenda for our church for this year ahead. And my fourth is the whole area of social justice and social action. In 1974, 2,500 uh, evangelical leaders from 150 different countries, 135 different denominations, uh, gathered in Le Swain, Switzerland, for the International Congress on World Evangelism. And if you know anything of the history of that meeting and some of the discussions that preceded it and followed it, there was a significant disagreement between Billy Graham and John Stott, two leading Christian thinkers and missioners. Billy Graham, the American evangelist who's preached to more people than anyone else in the world, uh, and John Stott, uh, a vicar from London who hugely influential in terms of student mission, um, but also in terms of um, Christian thinking and evangelical thinking, uh, thoughts and books about the Bible. And, and Billy Graham and John Stott agreed on the preaching of the gospel, but they disagreed about how the church should engage with society. And for Billy Graham, he felt 
that, 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 that the gospel would be its most effective if it was merely proclaimed as something that people responded to to come to faith. And John Stott felt that the message of the church should be like twofold, like two sides of a coin or the two heartbeats of God, that we both proclaim God's message of love that calls people to follow him, but at the same time we demonstrate in deed and action the love of Jesus that he has for society and the world. Now, to cut a long story short, Billy Graham's, in effect, won that conversation. And what happened in evangelical or Bible-believing churches is, is the, the gospel, the proclamation, the doing alpha bit, got lifted as being the most important, and it got separated from the other bit, which was helping people in need in Jesus' name, and challenging and changing things in society and politics and in the world that were wrong in Jesus' name. And the two got separated. And in some ways it almost split the church because the evangelicals, in their eagerness to to have a pure gospel, actually lost their engagement with social action. And actually the the, um, more liberal and uh, other wings of the church actually became the ones that picked up social action. Now that actually, 40 years on, is changing. And it's particularly changing in the hearts and minds of millennials. People are in their, roughly in their 20s now. Uh, And millennials, whether in the church or outside of the church, instinctively see those two things as being inseparably together. Um, I know this through my work in Alpha, I get to work with churches from all around the world, and I know when I speak to church leaders, particularly from developing nations, it is unthinkable to them that a church should not be engaged with social action, with helping people in need, with helping people in poverty, and with challenging things in society and politics that are wrong. What they would say is, um, if we weren't engaged with that, the community would see no credibility in our message. It's as if the message of the gospel, and by the way, our next series of G2 will be be about the message of the gospel, but it's as if The message of the gospel has no authenticity in a community where that isn't hand and heart expressed with practical action about the consequences in people's lives, particularly those of the poorest and those who are the victims of injustice within society. Now, it's not that we're not engaged with that at G2. We, of course, give money to help situations uh, where people benefit, that are in need. Uh, We're engaged with things like uh, Food Bank. Uh, We've done lots with Beesum, which is a great way in which you can do short, one-day projects that help people in need. We've done loads of things with uh, Operation Christmas Child and other things like that. Um, But... I just think that will become a more important part of what we do. Um, I did a series of lectures um, last year for, I did the same lectures for students at two different 
university's theological students and I was doing lectures on engaging with millennials uh, and so I did two parts one was about uh, leaders so leadership with millennials but then the other part was more speculative more theoretical I was, I was trying to expand the idea of how does the church engage with millennials who don't go to church okay so the millennials that have got no church background they've got no church history uh, we want to connect with them and be relevant how do we engage with them and I used an illustration of three um, words um, the words are um, communication community and cause and historically back in the day of Billy Graham the order of those words would have been communication then community and then cause so if you went to a Billy Graham rally he would ask you if you want to respond come to the front so you responded to the communication of the gospel he would then introduce you to somebody from uh, the church would say, right, that's now your new brother or sister. So, and, and they will invite you to join a local church. So you'd, be, you'd go from communication to community. Uh, and then when you join the local church and fulfilled its membership and got baptised or whatever each local church does, then you sort of become part of the club and you join the cause. Um, more recently, uh, I think in the late 90s, um, uh, and early 2000s, sociologists and theologians looked at that, and they, I think the order moved a little bit. And what actually happened is people were saying, what needs to happen is, first people need to join the community, then they get the communication, and then you join the cause. So community comes first, so your church has to have donuts, and really good coffee, and you need guys with red big phone hands standing outside. You need posters that are really attractive. You need cool people leading the worship. You know, you need the best biscuits that money can buy because people will connect first with community. Biscuits means community. Good coffee smacks of making a friend. So you, you, know, you build people into the community they join first of all through the coffee and the biscuits and you know the cool kids that they meet on the way in the door and then their hearts open to hear the gospel and then they join the club and my theory uh, talking to um, uh, these university students is that we're now in a phase where actually the, the cause is the thing that comes first and you will have noticed this over the years as we've done different projects as we've done things like um, um, uh, Samaritan's Purse, where we've done Operation Christmas Card, where we've done the Easter eggs for Food Bank. That if you've shared that with friends that don't go to church, that's probably the thing they connect with most of all. And so I think, like my friends in developing nations who say, our church would have no gospel credibility unless we were heartfully engaged with the poorest in society and the injustice in our community and our nation. I think increasingly the same is true for any church in the UK. And it's not that we're not doing that, but I just wonder if that should be something we seek to increase and do more. And actually, not just, there's another way of thinking about that, which is we can sometimes think of food bank as the thing we do to help others. But actually, your friends, 
that don't go to church want to help with food bank through you because they see you as the credible gatekeeper through which that happens. And the other things that we might do, whether it's the collections we've had at Christmas, um, the other the, the gifts through food bank, whether it's the uh, Operation Christmas Child, these are not just things where we go, our club will have a whip round and we can see how much we can help. But actually what we ought to be seeing this is, this is our way of allowing people who have yet to form a connection of faith to make their first step to express their heart, they see you as the trusted gatekeeper, the person who should be championing that cause, and they want to give through you, and through that, that becomes their engagement with the gospel. Now, I've run out of time, so my point, fifth point was this adventure, okay, which basically means this. There's other stuff I have no idea what God's going to do this year. Um, so let's be ready. Let's be up for it. If we write a plan, leave a space at the bottom because there's going to be more that God has um, for us. Um, I'd love you just to um, express some of your thoughts to the person next to you. So we're going to take a couple of minutes um, to do that. I've shared some things that I are on my heart that I think God is saying to us as a church. Um, things that may happen um, this year. Um, I'd love you to share um, some of that. And that very first idea that I shared about zero to hero, how are you going to grow intentionally in your faith this year? Why don't you just express your thoughts about that for your life for the person to the person that's next to you? Off you go.